Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so glad that the Lord is on my side. I don't know what I would do without him. He's just been that good to me. And those that don't have a personal relationship with the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, you need to. I mean, it just takes takes the stress out of life. Oh, do you have your ups and downs? Yes, for sure you do. Um, all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. But the one thing that I can say is that he's always there. You know, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. And it don't matter how low you get, God is still there. And so I, I'm just excited. I'm elated to be able to just call on him, to talk to him um, and, and to realize what he has said in his word about me, you know. And, and so I encourage others to know what the Bible says about them. Right. Uh, what God says about them through his word. And if you can be crazy enough to just believe him and take him at his word. Uh, I'm telling you, you can move mountains, praise God. <laughs> you know, you can speak to mountains, hallelujah, like he says in his word. And so I'm just elated, um, super excited uh, about what God is doing in my life. Um, and I, I thank God for, uh, let's get growing, man. You know, here we are in day 29, we're, we're doing it over. Um, uh, because on Friday, you know, my lights went out a couple of times and, you know, still with that, uh, Arctic storm that we had down here in Texas. And, um, I was just, you know, saying, hey, you know what, we're just going to do this over because I'm not going to keep old starting over. But um, I, I'm glad that we were able to make it out of it and we made it out all right. You know, we had to throw away a lot of food. Um, um, but that that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, it was pretty cold, but we thank God that, uh, you know, weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning, praise God. And I just think that it's morning time for my life. Uh, it's morning time for your life. If you will accept it, hallelujah, as morning time, God, God can bring morning, you know, uh, into your life. You know, I was uh, thinking about as I was meditating this morning on the word of God, that he is the light of the world. And, and when you realize that uh, when light steps into the room, darkness can't comprehend, can't understand. Hey, what, what's, what's up with this light? You know, why are you so excited about life? Is because the light has shown up in the room. And so I, I thank him for being so good and so awesome. I thank God for the opportunity just to serve him, to love on him, to know him. Um, it's just uh, life eternal, you know, um, and so um, it's just good. It's just good. Let's get growing, man. I'm, I don't know what all God is going to do with it, but um, I'm 
I'm looking forward to the changes that God is going to make in men's lives. And and when men stand up, when men are changed, when men take responsibility, um, things change. Things change. And so uh, I like what the Bible says. It says that the whole creation is growing, groaning for the, uh, good morning, Brother Tyson. Uh, The whole earth is groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. You know, and and when he says the sons of God, he does talk, he's talking about uh, male and female, right? Um, But when men stand up, you know, everybody is waiting for us to get in place, right? And take our, our, our lofty positions as kings and priests, uh, in the kingdom of God and, and then share the love of God that he has for us to the masses. And so that's what we're, that's where we are. That's where we're at. Um, we're, we're pushing out. Um, I'm, I didn't feel like getting up this morning. You know, I was up early praying and at the doors back off and it was just, it was tough. It was a struggle. But, you know, I said, hey, I'm doing this for the Lord. I, you know, uh, I'm accountable to him and I, I thank God for him. I thank God for him being in my life. Um, it's just awesome. It's awesome. And so we're we're glad. Uh, so we're going to do over. We're in volume six, uh, s- session one, and we're talking about man and his fatherhood and um got the got the book um i encourage you to to get the manual and um i'm I'm ready to do this over again we haven't even finished yet and i'm ready to do it over again um and whatever else god has for me uh and has for us so um let's go let's go let's go i'm gonna go ahead and cure it up this morning because because god is good and he's good all the time Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, I'm pressing the wrong button. There we go. Hey, guys. Welcome to volume six of 33, the series, A Man and His Fatherhood. We're so glad that you've decided to journey with us over the next six sessions and to explore this area of life that is so important to so many of us. In this volume, we're going to give you what we believe to be some very helpful information and powerful encouragement towards being a great dad, no matter what season of life you're in. And guys... Every dad needs to hear the things we are going to talk about. We've put together some awesome interviews with experts and real dads, and we believe that the content in this volume will both inspire you and help equip you for the road of fatherhood, regardless of where you are on the journey. In this opening session, we're going to lay a foundation for fatherhood that we'll build on throughout this volume. And there are a few things to keep in mind before we get started. First, be sure to have your own training guide. The training guide is just as important as the video sessions themselves, and every man needs to have his own because it will help you personalize your 33 experience. It includes outlines of the teaching, exclusive articles, 
a personalized action plan, recommended books, and additional information that you'll find extremely helpful. We also strongly recommend that you go through this material with a group of guys. Uh, manhood and fatherhood weren't meant to be done alone. And the 33 material is best experienced with a group of men who trust one another and who are encouraging one another toward authentic manhood. Now let's get started with session one and look at the foundations of biblical fatherhood. Welcome to volume six of 33, the series. In this volume, we're gonna tackle one of the areas of life that can bring a man deep satisfaction and fulfillment. It's an area of great influence that can make a man's life incredibly rich, filled with joy and laughter, and when done well, can give a man a lasting sense of gratification and achievement. We're talking about a man and his fatherhood. And there's probably no more worthwhile and significant mission a man can undertake than to start and cultivate a family. You see, when you become a dad, you get the chance to shape and influence another human's life, probably to a greater extent than any other relationship on this earth. As dads, we are positioned to either help set our children on a trajectory of true greatness, or in the worst cases, to wound them deeply. In the words of one of the speakers we feature in this volume, fathers change lives. Fathers have an incredible opportunity to make a deep, lasting impact. But the reality is that being a father and cultivating a family isn't easy. It's not something that always comes naturally. And some of us start a family before we really know what we've gotten ourselves into or how to even do it. Even if you grew up in a home with a great dad, well, you probably are going to feel incredibly lost at times as a parent. You may have felt that anxiety in the hospital when you looked into your son's or your daughter's eyes for the very first time. You may have felt it when trying to figure out how to, how to get your kids to obey or to do homework in the grade school years. And you may feel it now if you have teenagers who argue with you and how difficult it can be to connect. As a parent, all of us have felt that anxiety or confusion or frustration. And it seems like once you finally figure out how to parent a child in one stage of life, well, kids seem to transition to another stage, which has its own unique needs and challenges. Unfortunately, our culture doesn't offer much guidance. Fatherlessness is, and its devastating effects are pervasive today. In 1950, 4% of children were born outside of marriage. In 2007, that number had ballooned to 40%. We've talked about the consequences and collateral damage of fatherlessness in, in detail in other volumes. But the research is so overwhelming and powerful. Children growing up in father-absent homes are far more likely to be poor, have behavioral problems, to be convicted of a crime, be abused, use drugs, or be overweight. And children growing up in father-present homes are far more likely to get better grades, be more emotionally secure, be less sexually active, and be physically 
healthier. Guys, the bottom line is this. We need good fathers. We need men who are willing to embrace the long road of building and cultivating a family. We need men willing to be satisfied in the lasting pleasures that the noble pathway of fatherhood offers. We need men who are willing to admit they haven't figured it out and are prepared to do the work of learning how to parent well. And that's what this volume is all about. We want to help you begin to think strategically about being a dad. We want to inspire and encourage you with stories of men who have both labored in this arena, but who also have struggled as fathers. We want to equip you with some concepts and some biblical truth that can carry you through the confusion and dark moments of parenting, but also energize you for its high points and powerful moments as well. Fatherhood is a marathon, and we want to train you well. So in the next six sessions, we're going to look at fatherhood from different angles. We are going to look at how to raise daughters and how to raise sons. We're going to look at what it means to parent kids in different seasons of their life. We're going to learn from those who have committed their life to studying great parenting, as well as from regular dads in the trenches. Now, in this session, we want to lay the foundation for the entire volume. We want to give you five foundational truths that are at the core of being a good father. These are truths that should guide you through every season of parenting. They're principles that never get old and that are worth returning to again and again. So let's look at the first one. Here is the first foundational truth. The family was God's idea. Now, this may seem obvious, but it's foundational for us to remember, especially since we live in a culture that often sees kids as a nuisance and often ignores the sacredness of the family. You see, the family, a man, a woman, and children, was God's idea. And it was part of His purpose for mankind and for how we should relate to one another in this world. In Genesis, at the very beginning of creation, we read this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Well, in this verse, we see God create and bless the institution of marriage. We discussed this in, in detail in volume 5 of 33, A Man and His Marriage. God intended men to leave their family of origin, create a special bond with one woman, and cultivate their own family. We also see in Genesis, God tell the first couple to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. God not only designed marriage and the union of a husband and wife, but He also intended for this union to overflow and expand into a family with children. And He intended for families to populate and govern the earth for His glory. Unlike much of our culture, God doesn't see children as a nuisance. He calls them a gift and a blessing. Hey, listen to the powerful and the beautiful words of Psalm 127. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. 
You see, God doesn't see children as an obstacle to our freedom or a burden on our income or a distraction from what's really important. God calls them a heritage, a gift. He calls them a reward and says that the man who has many of them is blessed. Believing what God says about children and fully grasping that the family was his idea can have a powerful effect on our mindset. Guys, it should energize our involvement at home and bring life to our parenting. Fatherhood is not just some added to-do on your list of responsibilities like, you know, mowing the lawn, going to work, or taking out the trash. It's a privilege. It's an honor and a gift from God. And creating and cultivating a family isn't just a, a rite of passage for adulthood. It's a divine institution blessed and mandated by God. And this leads to our second foundational truth. Fatherhood is a God-given commission. In the military, a commission refers to an area of responsibility entrusted to an officer or a soldier. It's an area in which an officer is given authority and responsibility to act and to lead. Commissioned officers are entrusted with the welfare, morale, and the development of the soldiers under their care. Likewise, God has commissioned and entrusted fathers with the noble task of nurturing, guiding, and equipping their children for life, for life's high points, life's low points, its struggles and demands. This commission is taught directly or implied throughout the Bible. In the book of Proverbs, fathers are commanded to train up and discipline their children. In Deuteronomy, Moses tells parents to diligently teach the commands of the Lord to their sons and daughters. In Ephesians, Paul gives the following command. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And in 1 Timothy, Paul says that those who aspire to be elders of the church must manage their own family well, having children who respect and obey them. In summing up all the biblical evidence, biblical scholar Andreas Kostenberger concludes that that parents ought to consider themselves entrusted with the temporary responsibility and stewardship of nurturing and cultivating a child's heart and mind in light of the Scriptures and on behalf of God. And while children ought to obey both parents, fathers bear special responsibility for disciplining their children. So, if you have children, you've not only been given an incredible gift, you've also been given a sacred post, an area of responsibility that you can step into and provide life and blessing to others. Now, as you can imagine, and as we've already said, fathering well doesn't just happen. It takes a certain level of deliberateness, attention, and purpose. And that brings us to our next foundational truth. Fatherhood and parenting well takes intentionality. You can't just outsource parenting and expect your wife, your parents, the church or school to do it for you. You can't just hope for self-parented children. 
You see, good dads engage. They act. They think and pray and learn. And this brings us back to our guiding principle for every volume of 33 the series, our manhood definition. It was built on the life of Jesus. He was the perfect model of authentic manhood. And from his life, we learn to reject passivity, to accept responsibility, to lead courageously and invest eternally. We have to bring that manhood definition and that level of intentionality to bear on being a father and cultivating a family. We have to reject the cultural paradigm of the detached dad, the guy who just sits on the couch and watches sports all the time and is comically disengaged. Good dads accept the responsibility of this sacred commission as fathers, and they lead their family courageously despite setbacks or confusion and, you know, even wives and children who may not initially follow our leadership. Good dads believe that the family was God's plan and that our efforts to cultivate and lead our wife and our children are an eternal investment. Our next two foundational truths are two of the best ways that you can be intentional as a father. So here's our fourth foundational truth. Wise fathers focus on the heart, both their own heart and the heart of their children. First, they focus on their own heart. As men, you know, we have a tendency to live out of our heads and our hands and to forget about our hearts, to just kind of bore through life, working harder and solving problems and making decisions and stuffing our feelings. As author and Christian psychologist Chip Dodd put it, as men, most of us live life never fully knowing ourselves, never fully knowing others, and never fully finding the abundant life. We spend our existence toiling to make life happen, and all it gets us is a grave, a marker, and a date. Well, guys, here's the problem with that strategy. Heart-deficient fathers can be toxic for kids. Our sons and daughters desperately need to connect with us at a heart level. They need to know that we love them and that they affect us emotionally. But if we aren't in touch with our own hearts, how can we possibly give that to our kids? Our children also need to see us deal with our own emotions and in a healthy way. Emotions like sadness, hurt, joy, anger and shame. They need to see us live full lives with both its ups and its downs. Hey, where else are they going to learn to deal healthily with what life brings them, if not from you? But to give our hearts to our kids and to be able to model Let me jump in there right quick, guys. I mean, isn't that powerful? You know, we need to share with our children every aspect of life, you know, and don't just hide like when we struggle and we go through things, we have to share those things, you know, and, and depending on the, the age of the child or whatever, but we have to show them that without God, you know, this life is 
uh, utterly, you know, impossible. I, I see it as impossible. You just existing. You really don't have a serious purpose. But when they can see that we're struggling, but we're struggling well, you know what I mean? We're going through well. So when they face challenges, because they will face challenges, um, they will know how to operate in them. They will know where to go. They will know the source that they can lean on and depend on. You know, the Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're old, it won't depart from them and they won't depart from it. And so, you know, it's very important to be transparent as parents um, to our children and, and let them know, hey, you know, the struggle is real sometimes. But if we place our trust in God, all will be well, right? Because it works together for our good. All right, let's get back into our lesson. Uh, Heart-engaged living. We must know our own hearts. Heart-engaged, full living, doesn't mean uh, worshiping emotions, but it does mean recognizing and feeling our feelings, being honest with ourselves, sharing them with others who, who care and are trustworthy. Ultimately, giving the truth of our hearts to God and trusting Him with it. Now, you may need to do some work in this area, but it is essential if you want to be intentional in loving your kids fully. We've recommended some resources in your training guide to help get you started. We also need to focus on our kids' hearts. As a parent, you'll be tempted to focus only on external behavior to just get the, the kids to be compliant and agreeable and obedient. You'll find yourself exhausted at times, uh, just longing for kids who, who don't complain, who don't talk back, kids who behave in public, who aren't loud and, and don't embarrass you, uh, kids who speak kindly to their siblings, who clean up after themselves and say please and thank you. But the problem with focusing on just your kids' external behavior is well, you might get what you're hoping for. You may get them to comply with your list of rules and demands. And they may perform for you for a while, while they live in your house. But if you don't connect with your kid's heart, you'll ultimately lose as a parent. The Bible emphasizes the heart as the key to change and to full, abundant living. In Proverbs 4, 23, we read this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. In Luke 6.45, Jesus says that the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, in commenting on these two verses, pastor and author Ted Tripp makes this conclusion about parenting. He says that behavior is not the basic issue. The basic issue is always what is going on in the heart. The heart is the wellspring of life. Therefore, parenting is concerned with shepherding the heart. Wise fathers are not just concerned with compliance and external behavior. They're trying to connect with their kid's heart and to build trust with them. Wise fathers aren't just trying to protect their own peace and quiet. 
hey, they're willing to be interrupted and to pause to figure out what's, what's really going on in, inside their kids. Wise fathers don't just play the short game of external behavior. They play the long game of shepherding their children's hearts. Now, this doesn't mean that behavior isn't important. Sure it is. But like Jesus tells us, behavior is an expression of what's going on inside. So a thread that's going to run through this entire volume is the importance of connecting with your kid's heart. I'm a father to four kids. I have three sons and a daughter. And what I realized right away as a dad is just how different each one of my kids are. And I really don't know why I was surprised by that, but I just didn't really get it. I, I think something inside of me felt like, well, I can just parent each one of my kids the same way. And man, was I ever wrong about that? Because God has uniquely wired each one of my kids to be different. Uh, different personality, different gifts, uh, different interests, different passions. And so really my challenge as a father became, how do I parent these four kids who are all different? And really what I had to do as a father is become a student. And, And what I mean by that is I really began to study my kids, who they are and what is it that makes them unique. And, and, and what is it that excites them? What are they passionate about? What brings them life? What are their special gifts and abilities? I wanted to know these things and understand these things. And, and as I did that, it really helped me become a better father, a better parent, because now I'm able to relate to them better. I'm able to connect with them better. I'm able to discipline them better in the way that, that God has made them uniquely. And, and our relationship began to flourish. You really can't parent all your kids the same way. If you try to do that, all it's going to do is, is really create this frustration and futility that's going to go all the way around. And I think that's part of the truth that's embedded in Ephesians 6 when Paul says, hey, fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger. I think one of the ways that we can really anger our kids is not really understanding who they are and what makes them different and then parenting them accordingly. I think one of the real practical things that I did as a father and I've done as a father to help me get a better understanding of my kids is that when each one of my kids got in the preteen years, I had them take a personality test. Uh, I took the test, my wife took the test, and then when they got to the preteen years, we'd have each one of our kids take it. And there's a lot of great uh, personality tests out there. The one we used is called Your Unique Design. And I just found that to be incredibly helpful as a father on so many fronts because all of a sudden I had this new insight and this new understanding of my kid that I'd never had before. And we had this common language and this common understanding of each other. And in particular, it was very helpful in the teenage years, which can be a real challenge anyway, in that I was now able to relate to them and connect with them in the way that God has uniquely made them. And, 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 and in fact, uh, one of my kids, my youngest son, Hudson, when he took the test, what we discovered is that he's actually an introvert. And we had no idea. We, we were totally surprised. And we're a family of extroverts. And so here's this introvert that's trapped in this family of extroverts. And so knowing this as a father has allowed me to give him the space that he needs to be alone. Because 
part of an introvert, they, they recharge themselves by being alone. And so instead of me being frustrated or disappointed in him, cause he's not like me, he doesn't want to be around people all the time. I have a better understanding of who he is and it's, it's allowed our relationship to be strong. And so I, I think it's really key for us as fathers with multiple kids, if we want to parent them well, and help them flourish, we really have to understand who they are and how God has uniquely made them so that we can parent them accordingly. This is our final foundational truth. Wise fathers are grace dependent. Uh, They've come to recognize their need for the grace of God, both for their salvation and for their ability to parent well. They've recognized their own brokenness, their own need for forgiveness before a holy God. And they've placed their trust in Jesus to forgive them of their sins and to give them a right standing before their heavenly Father. They've come to believe deeply, Romans 3, 23, which says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, wise fathers know what it means to need and to experience forgiveness from God. They know what it means to be in need of grace, and therefore they're willing to give grace to others, and especially to their children. Jesus tells us that there's a link between expressing forgiveness and showing love. Uh, in Luke seven forty-seven, Jesus says, He who is forgiven little loves little. Uh, Unless you've experienced the grace and forgiveness of God, it will be difficult for you to give grace, to give love and to forgive your children when they fail or hurt you. And believe me, guys, they will. Uh, Experiencing grace has a way of enabling us to see our children through God's eyes, to soften our hearts, and to act as an antidote for anger, frustration, and disappointment. Wise fathers have also come to recognize their daily need for grace as a parent. They've realized they can't do it alone. They need God to soften their hearts daily, to forgive them of their shortcomings and strengthen them for the demands of fatherhood. And this leads these men to their knees and to daily prayer before their heavenly father to ask for his help and guidance. Guys, we believe that only men who have recognized their profound need of grace can in turn offer that to their kids. So we've devoted a whole session to talk about grace-based parenting. Grace is another thread that will run throughout this whole volume. Grace is so key to being a father. If you think about it, God, our Father, has shown us so much grace in and through His Son, Jesus. And so it only makes sense to me that as God leads me by grace as my Father, that I in turn would lead my kids by grace too. And what grace says is grace says you don't have to be perfect. I don't have to be a perfect father. My kids don't have to be perfect kids. And so as a father, I want to create an atmosphere of grace in my home. 
an atmosphere of grace in my relationship with my kids where there's a freedom to make mistakes. There's a freedom to fail. There's a freedom to struggle with sin because we all struggle with sin. And I think as fathers, we really have to lead the way on this to create this grace atmosphere in our relationship with our kids. And I think one of the ways I've tried to do that is when needed, when it's appropriate, I've tried to own and acknowledge my own sin and my own failures. Uh, there's been times that maybe I've spoken too harshly uh, to one of my kids or I've mistreated their mother in some way or done something else that has maybe been hurtful. And in those moments, I've tried to go to the to the child or the kid that I've disappointed or hurt or, or sinned against, and, and oftentimes just to acknowledge and own what I've done. And so many times I'll just say three words, but they're three very gracious words. It's just the words, please forgive me. And, and those words, they're simple, but they're powerful, and they're just loaded with grace. And what I've seen and experienced as I've done that is over time what it's communicated to my kids is, you don't have to be perfect. Dad struggles. Dad's battling sin in his life. Dad makes mistakes. Dad fails. And, and as I've worked to create this openness about my own failures and my own sin, what, what I've seen in turn is that my kids have become more open with me about their sin and their struggles. And as they do that, what it's allowed me to do is take them back to the work of Christ on their behalf. And I just keep bringing them back as I bring myself back in my own failures and sin. And as that happens, grace just begins to, to thrive and flourish in our relationship together. Grace is there because the gospel is there. But it really all starts with us as fathers creating a safe place for our kids to struggle, uh, for our kids to fail, for our kids to make mistakes. And, and as we do that, we just keep coming back to the same place. It's the place of Jesus. And when we keep coming back to Jesus, Jesus always meets us with grace. And as that happens, grace just has a way of flourishing and thriving in our relationship with our kids. We've given you five foundational truths today. These are timeless biblical principles that should guide you throughout fatherhood. And these truths lay the foundation for this volume, and we'll return to some of them again. Now, let me close by giving you a preview of what's in store for the rest of this volume. In the next two sessions, we're going to hear from parenting expert and author Tim Kimmel. He's going to talk to us about grace-based parenting and about what it means to raise kids for true greatness. Then in session four, we'll hear from authors and counselors David Thomas and Stephen James on how to raise boys. In session five, we'll hear from noted author Dr. Meg Meeker on how to raise girls. And we'll close in session six by addressing some of the specific things you need to be strategically thinking about as a father in the 21st century. Hey, we are pretty excited about the material and the all-star team we put together for this volume. And we're proud of you for being willing to journey with us as we explore what it means to be a father. Well, we're off to a great start, having now a biblical foundation to build on as we continue our journey.
Before we end, I want to say a quick word to some of the different groups of dads and men who may be watching this volume. First, I want to say a word to the single men and the yet-to-be dads. If that's you, you need to know that there's no better time than today to start thinking about how to be a great dad. The lessons you learn through this material can be used to prepare you for the upcoming season when God brings a child into your life. Maximize this time and sow seeds now so that you can reap the reward when the harvest comes. I also want to say a word to dads who've been through a divorce. If that's you, you need to know that there's been some great dads who have fathered well in the midst of the same situation you're facing. It's going to be tough. You're going to face some unique challenges. It's a challenge when you don't have your kids under your roof every night. And it can be a challenge trying to coordinate schedules with their mother. But it's worth it to do it well, and we're confident that this material will help you do that. Finally, I want to say a word to the empty nesters and fathers with grown kids. If that's you, you need to know that this season of your life is an amazing opportunity for you to develop younger men and deposit the fatherhood lessons you've learned into those men. What you learn in these sessions combined with your own experiences can become a wealth of wisdom that you can impart to younger fathers. Steward that well. Bless others with what you've learned and maximize this season of your life when you have more free time. And remember, even after your kids are grown, you're still their dad. Even though you're not parenting them every day, we believe the perspectives that you'll gain from this material will be very helpful as you continue to be there for your grown kids. Now, be sure you spend some time after your small group to write down your takeaways from this session your strategic moves. You'll find at the end of each session in your training guide, there's a place for you to write down your strategic move for that session. Be sure to do that because at the end of our journey, we're gonna take all those strategic moves and create a personal action plan. This is vital because it will help you go forward with a summary of what you've gained from this material and it will give you some tracks to run on as you continue your fatherhood journey. Okay, in the next two sessions, we're going to have a special and very well-known guest, Dr. Tim Kimmel. He's going to inspire us all with a vision of grace-based parenting and how we can raise kids for true greatness. We'll see you next time. I'm the God who had the first word, and I'm the one who's going to have the last one. The job of a dad is to connect to the heart of your child. It makes it easier for them to connect to the heart of God. Don't be afraid. We're going to focus on what we believe is the most powerful idea in the history of the world. Don't be surprised or shocked that your kids sin. You gave birth to sinners. That's what they do. This grace that I brought to the cross, this grace that I, I poured out on a cross for you, I want this now to redefine you and wash through you and become the default mode of your life. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Connecting to the heart of your children. What a word. What a um, <laughs> challenge, right? Um, but first, we have to know our heart. You know, we have to we have to experience, allow God to reveal what's in our heart. You know, I, I like one of the scriptures that they gave. It, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and so we have to monitor what we're saying 
and we'll really realize, hey, this is where my heart is. You know, this is how I feel. This is how. And then we can go about changing that if it's the wrong thing. If it's the right thing, we can celebrate, of course, and and give God the praise and the glory and honor. But if it's the wrong thing, then we can develop a strategic plan to really change what God and, and what we're saying to our children and to the people that's around us. And, you know, cause words are very, very powerful. And, and if we don't get a grip and a gain on how we're uh, communicating, <laughs> um, then it will either wreck our lives or make it better. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's, that's what it is. That's the heart of it. And so I'm excited about, um, these, se these sessions that's coming up, you know, a grace based, um, um, leading with, uh, our family and, and being able to, uh, realize their faults and, of our children and, and be able to extend that grace and that love and that favor that God gives us because we are his children. They have to know that, hey, because I'm the child of Antoine, I'm the child of Tyson, I'm the child of Darren, then I know that I can, it's all right, you know, I can be better, I can, I can, um, I can go to that next level. This, this um, mistake that I've made doesn't define who I am. God's word defines who I am. And because of his grace and because of what he did on the cross, that I can go forward, I can move forward, I can I can love forward, right? I can do all those things. And so, you know, that's what it's all about. Um, I, you know, God is so awesome. And I can't say it enough, you know, um, just having a personal relationship with him means the world. I've experienced three divorces, you know, and it's it's saddening. And, you know, like I said, I always say that I'm the common denominator in that. So I can't blame those women, you know, um, for my mistakes. I, I just got to own it. I got to I got to own it. And I got to say, hey, you know, uh, and at this season in my life, where do I go? You know, God, what are you saying to me? You know, how how do I change this, um, this fault of mine, you know, and, and, you know, if I'm experiencing a new relationship, which I am, you know, I have to, um, take it in a new perspective and I gotta say, Hey, you know what, God, I gotta, I gotta lean more into you to see what's going on with me so that I, I can in turn be that husband, that better man, that, that father that I need to be, um, in this season of my life. And, and then those men that, um, you bring to me, I, I need to be able to, um, give them what you have given me and, and, and what the resources that you have shared with me, I need to share with them in a authentic way. Right. And, and be real. And so that's where I am. Um, <laughs> I'm in my, I'm, I'm in my fifties, about to turn 52. No, I'm not. Uh, let me, I'm jumping up a year. I'm about to turn 51 <laughs> this week. And so, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm elated about it. God is doing some great things. Um, I'm in a grind, uh, to, to share what God is doing in my life. You know, believe it or not, I'm, I'm not that guy that really shares a lot. Right. Um, uh, but God says in this season of my life, I need to live out loud and sort of speak to share 
what he's doing in my life and and to inspire others. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm doing this not to put myself on a pedestal by no means. It's just really to inspire others, to help other people to um, to experience the grace of God that I've experienced. And so that's where we are. Hey, this is just Antoine with Let's Get Growing, man. We're excited. We're elated about what God is doing in our lives and we're looking to go forward. So I'll see you at the top. Bye for now.